0: Go Steelers. go Steelers, Say Go Steelers, Go Steelers Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you from the Houston Outpost with another pirate radio episode of the Steelers Outpost Podcast to rub it in the face of every human who's ever lived because the Steelmen are 6-3. and three. And if they beat the Browns and if the Bengals beat the Ravens, the Steelmen are in sole possession of first place in the AFC North. Boom. That's it. NFL sucks. Steelers are awesome. Although as Steelers fans... We think that they suck because we have a regal and glorious history. And so, six and three, whatever, it's another drop in the bucket. How many times have we been six and three? Well, the Steelers have got some things going on. And in this victory against the Packers, they've shown some consistent improvement that mirrors the way the Steelers improved last year after the bye, namely in the fact that they're running all over everybody. I know everybody runs all over the Packers, but I think in the past like three, four weeks, the Steelers are top three in every rushing category. And, you know, it's not just a statistical analysis. You can watch the game. There are huge holes being opened up, largely thanks to by a bunch of rookies. Thanks to Georgia. Thank you, Georgia, for opening up these holes via Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington at tight end. They're huge holes. Najee is running downhill in a more effective fashion. It resembles last year, once again, uh, eerily. And Jalen Warren who, you know, as the weeks go on, kind of proving himself to be the better back. But what I hope people uh, are seeing is that this is how you should divide labor, not how the Steelers have divided it in the past. Like, I don't know, when Le'Veon was here, I was definitely a fan of keeping him on the field every single play because he's just an absolute freak in the pass game and pass blocking and just so dominant, but... You know, in retrospect, you're like, maybe they should have given some some carries to D'Angelo and to James Conner, because I just think of all the teams Reggie Bush was on when he's the Heisman winner in college, but he splits carries with a very effective Lendell White. He was a very good player. He was a good player for a little bit in the NFL. Then Reggie goes to the Saints. He splits carries with Pierre Thomas, I believe. And once again, very effective uh, mechanism. And I know that that was more of a pass catching versus uh, in between the tackle sort of thing. But I think the Steelers really love where they're at with the run game and the running backs. And... Both of them are running really well, and that's awesome. And the line's opening up holes, uh, and that's good stuff. But overall, Steelers are once again setting weird records for ineptitude in success, if that makes any sense. A couple years ago, people kept calling them the worst 11-0 team in history. I think here at the podcast and as Steelers fans, we all knew that there were issues with that team. Where did they maybe win a couple more games than they should have at that point? Should they maybe have been 9-2 and two or something? Yeah, but at the same time, they, they had some convincing victories and they were doing a good job, uh, and that's an insulting stat. But yes, we knew that it did not look the same as uh, another great Pittsburgh team has looked, or any great Pittsburgh team has looked in our history. And then right now, Steelers are 6-3, and three, and I don't know what the exact statistic is, but it essentially says... No team has ever been six and three with a negative point differential until now, the Steelers, who still have a negative point differential because every win has been by seven or less, usually three (laughs) at the buzzer. It's kind of been like this for years, but the theme of the podcast of this year is the Steelers is the Steelers, and that's a negative connotation in a lot of ways, but there is some positivity behind that where as Steelers fans, we're not surprised by all these close wins. Yes, against mediocre teams. And the problem is the Steelers will, con- will consistently eke out wins versus mediocre teams. They'll kind of split wins against the good teams, and a lot of those wins against good teams are tremendously based on um, sort of historical momentum factors. Like, did they win the week before? Okay, well, now they're going to lose against the good team. Did they lose to a bad team the week before when they were a, a road favorite, as they so oftentimes do? They, lo- You know, the Texans blew them out. Well, the Texans thing looks better now with CJ Stroud and that team just killing it. But that being said, like, do the Steelers have their backs against the wall? Okay, they can beat a good team. These mediocre teams, they're doing a great job of handling them. We are seeing some sustained success, and we are seeing some growth from the Steelers in these games. The rookies are kind of the star of the show right now. Um, But getting back to that kind of overall point of the Steelers is the Steelers, and we know who they are. The problem is when the Steelers play elite teams, they don't even compete in the game. They get blown out of the water. They get swirled, essentially. Last few times they've played elite teams, you got the Niners, blew them out of the water by 30 points. You think back to the Chiefs playoff game, they're dropping 50 on them. I mean, they could have dropped 100 points on them if they won. I don't remember how many they did in the end, but uh, they get blown out of the water there. You know, um, the Eagles, Bills last year, blown out of the water, blown out of the water. And I think what causes the national media or even Steelers fans themselves to have some confusion about the Steelers, who, in my opinion, are incredibly consistent in the results they deliver and the type of games they play, for better and for worse, for better being the fact that they win a lot, for worse, that they clearly have this hard ceiling on them right now due to a few reasons, which we'll discuss. But I think it's tough for the national consciousness to realize that they're getting crushed in these big games because a few phenomenal teams play in the Steelers division, the Ravens, the Bengals. And yeah, the Bengals have blown the Steelers out uh, once or twice in the past couple years. But generally the Steelers, like many other teams do well against their divisional opponents. So they'll keep those games close. And so you sort of forget that any time they, they're going to play someone really good, they're going to get knocked out. So uh, don't love that. And Where does it go from here? Okay. Well, that's where we're going right now. So some national pundits, poor Mike Greenberg, love him, huge Jets fan. He keeps coming on his show every week and saying the Steelers have absolutely no talent and they keep winning. Mike Tomlin's the best coach ever. Now, Mike Greenberg, he's the man. Uh, He is on ESPN. He's sort of traditional host. So I do assume people have come up to him (laughs) in between shows and let him know that, Hey, the Steelers have a a crazy amount of talent. Like, the the, the problem with the Steelers is they have bottom-tier offensive coordinator and quarterback play. But when you look around the roster, the Steelers have a lot more talent than the Bengals and the Chiefs, who have a lot of solid players, but those teams have all-time quarterbacks and some spectacular coordinators, which the Steelers don't have either one of those things, so it, it evens it out. But, of course, when you look at the Steelers' talent, you got... All the time. You got the greatest defensive player in the history of the damn game. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, you know, best edge rushing duo. Cam Hayward's missed most of the season, but you got top tier defensive uh, and his tackle interior defensive linemen. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick's missed games. You got the best safety. Like already, that's an insane room. Let alone the uh, the sad fact that the Steelers' lovable and highly successful, completely revamped inside linebacker room is now completely decimated with... The depressing news of Quan Alexander uh, rupturing his Achilles, tearing his Achilles, whatever. So he lost Cole Holcomb last week with his leg exploding. And now the Achilles goes for uh, Quan Alexander. That really blows. Uh, Alana Roberts is still in there doing his thing. Obviously not a pass coverage linebacker, but an incredible run stopper. Um, but uh, So there's a there's a little negativity in there for you. But just to, to back back up, you look at that inside linebacker room, that's a very solid room. And already I've named all the players on the defense, and of course you see the NFL has problems on the offensive side with the offensive line across the league. The Steelers actually have a a decent offensive line with decent depth, and clearly it's getting better, and depending on how they add players over the next year, it could have potential to be a very good offensive line. Uh, They have two really good running backs. They have one of the most talented receivers in the league and George Pickens, who, you know, you just don't get to see it showcased because of the ineptitude of the passing game for the past five years, whether it's Kenny or old man Ben or the Mason duck combo or Trubisky or whatever it is, Feetner, uh, Canada hasn't been a good passing game, which also has not been able to show off Deontay Johnson, who you hear about guys like Calvin Ridley, super polished player down in Jacksonville, but I look at him and I, I don't, you know, more people at a certain point knew who that guy was than Deontay Johnson. It's like, well, I think with Calvin Ridley, you're not worried about him dropping the ball at any given moment, and he's an amazing route runner, but at the end of the day, to me, it's a slower version of Deontay Johnson. Like, Calvin Ridley isn't scoring long touchdowns really at any point in his career, so you're small and slow, but you're more famous than Deontay Johnson. I feel like I'm crapping on Calvin Ridley. I'm I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, Deontay Johnson just hasn't gotten any great numbers as a result of being in the Steelers' Uh, crappy passing attack. So I just went through. You know, there's other players too. But the Steelers have a lot of talent. What these past few games have shown us are two things. Let's say three things. Number one, they are improving metrically, and by the eye eye test, you can see they are running the ball well. It's a thing of beauty. They are getting more creative on defense. They're just trying to hang in there without Minka Fitzpatrick. They're moving TJ Watt around, having some success with that. And we all knew that this defensive backfield was going to struggle without Minka. And once he comes back, that'll be a huge boost. Even though he's on the sideline calling game-winning plays for game-winning interceptions, forcing the Steelers to call a timeout because he hates the defensive play call they have, and he calls a new helps them call a new play. They go in there, bing, bong, boom, win the game. Yada, yada, move on. Great. There's some improvement. Number two, that improvement is due to this rookie class, which just knock on wood, let's say it quietly, second week in a row. This is this has the potential to be an incredible Steelers draft class. A foundation of this team for a while. Broderick Jones is killing it at tackle. Daniel Jeremiah, some of the national pundits, P-U-N-D-I-T-S or N T not a speller, guys. a talker. They're blasting him out. They're blasting Broderick Jones out on Twitter, saying this man is a dominator. Uh, Obviously, unconventional, super raw, but he's already playing very well. That means Arrow can only point up for him. Joey Porter Jr., he's getting penalties just like he did at Penn State, but it is a visible difference (laughs) between Joey Porter and any cornerback that the Steelers have had since Ike Taylor. Joe Hayden was great for the Steelers, but he was at the end of his, his uh, you know, man-to-man days. It was still effective. But with Joey Porter, you see what Ike had in his prime. we like, this guy is so long and all over the offensive player the entire game. Yes, sometimes it's because he's hanging on to him. But mostly, you see the incredible athleticism. That's amazing. Broderick, Jones, killing it. Joey Porter Jr., killing it. We already know about Nick Herbig. I, I don't remember who said this, but... They kind of categorized him with, with Bryce Huff and some of these other players in, uh, around the league, these valuable third edge rushers who are undersized, so they may not be an ideal three-down player, given the fact that you could probably run the ball at them, tire them out, or just wash them out of the play, even though he does play well against the run. Uh, but that third edge rusher position, I don't know what to compare it to. It might be like a, a very valuable second running back or maybe a slot receiver or something like that, but guy's a weapon. Uh, spectacular! Darnell Washington has been blocking great. He actually caught a pass. Uh, Kenny threw it to him. That's awesome. But him stepping in for Fryermouth has been another m- massive reason for improvement in the running game. And uh, Keanu Benton might be the best rookie of all of them. They let him play a little bit more. He dominated. So that is very encouraging. Love to see that. All right. Now, I'm leaving the Kenny stuff to the end of the podcast here. I don't want to go for too long on this. But let's start with Canada in regards to Ken- Kenny. Canada has called a much better game over the past few weeks. Uh, People are open. Kenny's not hitting them. As we see, it's a little bit of an issue. Doesn't mean Canada is now a viable coordinator going forward. It just means he's not so historically bad that he gives his players no chance to succeed at all. He's actually done some nice things. There's been a lot of notable changes. They're playing under center more. They're running play action, yada, yada, yada. Now, these things are a checklist of high school offensive coordinator (laughs) qualities. So I'm glad that Canada is doing that, right? I'm, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but I am saying this. You can look around and you can objectively count the number of open plays for the running backs in terms of open holes, and they're doing a much better job of hitting them. And you can count the number of open throws for Kenny. And like we said, unfortunately, the trajectory has been this. He consistently misses open throws, And the only good thing we can say about Kenny Pickett right now is that he has some great fourth quarters, which sometimes only really consist of one or two big time throws. And those are really valuable. And you heard Mike Tomlin talk about how valuable that trait is for Kenny to rise up in big moments. And you heard Tomlin talk about how a lot of quarterbacks just don't have that. And you're never going to teach that. And I agree. That is valuable. But the sample size is getting humongous now. And... If you pay attention to the rest of the league and you don't just get tunnel vision on how likable Kenny is, because he is super likable, how great his intangibles are, because they are great. And if you just look up and see like, the guy's got like five, t- five touchdown passes this year. You say, okay, that's stats. That's different. You know, Canada's not opening up for him. Okay, well, we're watching the game and we can count them and we can cut them up every week. He's throwing the ball to a receiver who has nobody on him. And he's just missing the receiver, let alone all the plays where he just doesn't see an open guy or plays like on the third and two conversion when Canada called his 19th play action bootleg of the game. And he's staring at George Pickens, Kenny. They're running parallel in face. Pickens 10, 15 yards down the field. It's one-on-one cornerback on his back. It's George Pickens, the best contested catch receiver in the league. He's staring right at him, just decides not to throw to him and keeps running to the sideline craps his pants, tries to throw it to Najee, who's one foot in front of him, realizes can't do that, starts getting tackled, and like Tim Tebow flips it out of bounds. So these are consistent plays, guys. That, that's the problem. It's not a, oh, Ben had a better defense, or, or CJ Stroud, you know, he played uh, Ohio State, so he's a little farther ahead, and it turns out he's got a great Kyle Shanahan-esque uh, offensive coordinator. No, 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 no. You, you got to look around the league and say, man, you can't go 24 games without one big game. And there, ha- there haven't been any. I know there was some nice garbage yardage in the, in the Cincinnati loss last year. I know he's had some good fourth quarter comebacks. But if, if we are only able to look at one thing that's going well, one hyper-specific thing, why didn't we say that for Mason Rudolph? In terms of like, well, he does he does complete some nice deep passes every game, right? Like, the sample size is large, and we we can't act like these guys need forty games before getting any judgment and at all. Because you look around the league, like Gardner Minshew, a couple years ago played for the Jaguars with absolutely no talent on that team at all. I know we have Matt Canada, but like we said, we're looking at the film. People are all open. Mitchell had plenty of big games. Sam Howell plays for the commanders, the most dysfunctional team ever. And he's had a bunch of big games, let alone the new guys who have come in. Will Levis, you know, CJ Stroud, yada, yada, yada. So I'm not saying that Kenny has completely maxed out. And I do think he will continue to get better. And I think as his ribs heal up, things will get easier for him. But you got to put it in perspective of what he is like. If he were Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, all of us in Pittsburgh would be able to say like, oh my gosh, that guy's getting carried by the Niners. We're citing win-loss record. Well, we're watching the game. They'd be winning by more. This team is awesome. We're not saying that Kenny or Jimmy Garoppolo with the Niners or Jared Goff with the Rams. We're not saying these guys are unplayable. These guys are CJ Beathard or uh, the other dude, Nick uh, something or rather, right? We're not saying that. We're just saying, ah, damn. Damn. The ceiling is very low, and quarterbacks like this have not won Super Bowls in a very long time. And the only quarterbacks like that, actually the two that I mentioned, Garoppolo and Goff, got to the Super Bowl because they had unreasonably talented teams. And hey, maybe the Steelers are actually heading towards that. I don't think that's crazy to say, depending on how next offseason goes. But they also had historically good offensive coordinators. Like guaranteed offense, and, and even then they can't win the Super Bowl because they get beat by a Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so that's that's just what I'm looking at here. Is like, look, Kenny needs the rest of the season. You still need to see how he improves because the Steelers may not even have a reasonable opportunity to upgrade on him. It might just be a lateral move. And at that point, hey, let's keep the guy who's in the the building. He's got great intangibles. But I do think it's important to to look at this. The Steelers are loaded. The Steelers are winning. The only reason why people are laughing about this and why the Steelers have a negative point differential is because the NFL revolves around quarterbacks and coordinators now. The game has changed. If this were 15 years ago, the Steelers would probably be like 8-1 and right now if you could hit people because the defense would knock people out and it would be a different game. But that's not how it goes now. It's all coordinator and quarterback, and you don't need to have the very best one. You don't need to have Shanahan and Mahomes, but you do, you can't have one of the couple worst ones. And right now the Steelers are are pretty impotent offensively. So I'm not saying, I don't, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that Kenny has time left this season. Let's see where he's going. But the sample size is becoming very large, and we have to count this. Like, these count. It's not, hey, none of this counts at all. He's a rookie. He's got Matt Canada, yada, yada. No, no, no. These are counting. There are open players on the field that he is throwing to, and the ball doesn't go to them. When he threw that screen pass to Jalen Warren, he got the snap. Jalen does a swing pass out to the side. Kenny stares at him for two seconds, throws it to him, misses him by a mile, throws it behind him. Clearly a, a backwards pass, by the way, which the Packers should have been able to pick up and run to the end zone if the refs hadn't flubbed it. And, and that's like a, that's, it's just the perfect example. And the problem is the example happens every week. So we're not nitpicking. You can't give other context stats of like, oh, Ben had a similar number of completions. Like, let's not be insane. You can turn the film on and, and you see it's a different animal. It's a different player entirely. And uh, it hurts me to say this, but I want the Steelers to be awesome again. They've been a little bit more fun to watch recently. That's great. I expect them to continue in that path, even though this inside linebacker thing is it's going to be a massive issue. I mean, it just is. Unfortunately, that's how the NFL works. That's terrible luck. It's not like you lost your inside linebacker for the season, and then the next week you, you lost another inside linebacker for four weeks. Nope, they're both gone. So that's very tough. But you'll get Minka back at some point here. Um, and, I, you know, I'm just looking around at the Steelers and saying, this team is so much better then everybody else realizes it reminds me of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before they got Tom Brady where that team was getting really good and people did not realize it because their quarterback, he threw a lot of touchdowns, threw a lot of interceptions, right? And, you know, getting Tom Brady is not a bad upgrade for anybody. But I just want to say that these count. I'm rooting for Kenny. Let's see how the rest of the season goes. But it's not been great. And the whole story around the NFL of – Why the Steelers? How are they doing this? How can they keep getting away with this? It's like, well, they'd be winning by more if the two most important positions on the field weren't, you know, bottom tier of the NFL. I know it sounds mean, but it's not. We're in the, we're in, yeah, sure, Mac Jones and Daniel Jones, the Joneses, are doing worse. Zach Wilson, you know, with a fifth string offensive line, but that's kind, of the, that's kind of the area we're operating in right now. Not ideal. I do think it'll improve. But how aggressive are the Steelers going to be in spotting something, a gamble that didn't work out, and then moving on from it? Because that's the theme of this season with Matt Canada. It's we already knew that this guy wasn't the guy. Sure, he can improve but you're improving from a bar that is incredibly low. Like our quarterback has five touchdown passes and we're nine games into the, the season. And it's not just about, oh, they're telling him not to turn the ball over because clearly they are telling him that and he's only turned over once in, in however many weeks. But again, we're looking at the screen and he's looking at a guy running down the field and he doesn't throw it to him. That has nothing to do with you know, conservative play calling or this or that. And so with Canada, they stuck with him for too long. I think with Keith Butler, they stuck with him for way too long when that defense was ruining a killer B's historic run, potentially, right? You know, that's been the big thing with the Steelers. I think at this point now in the NFL, let wrap this up. I almost make no hard and fast rules about anything because you need context for a decision. But I think where we stand right now today in the NFL, you can never, ever, ever... Ever hire a defensive head coach ever again. Because it's done. It's done. You, the game has been changed. The rules favor the offense. You need a good offensive coordinator. And you can't be like the Bills who are squandering Josh Allen because they have a defensive head coach who doesn't generate any offense on his own. And they got a great coordinator in Brian Dayball. And Josh fulfilled his his glory as a phenomenal quarterback and they immediately lose day ball, And now they're looking for answers and they're, uh, prob- they're on their way to n- missing the playoffs in the middle of Josh Allen's prime. That's crazy. So if the Steelers are going to continue like this, they need to get the quarterback and OC thing figured out. And you got to be kind of ruthless about it. So cheering for them hoping it gets better huge game this coming week I hate the Browns so much go Steelers hit us up <laughs> Twitter Steelers Outpost uh, also at Steelers Outpost at gmail.com Till next week go Steelmen okay bye bye